0: Glad to be here. What a great way to enjoy my birthday with you all, get a look at God's Word, get to enjoy who He is. So I hope you're excited for tonight. Um, let me just jump in. My friend Meg, not her real name, shared with me a while back in writing. She said, I recently started seeing a young man over the past summer. I was hopeful but after a couple of weeks, I found out he wasn't a Christian. He had no desire to pursue the Lord. By this time, though, I was desperately wanted a relationship, and justified why he could be it would be an okay choice, and God could work with him. I deceived my family and my roommates. Then, after a couple of months, I wanted so desperately to be out, but I felt trapped in my own pit. Meg experienced great regret about the things she and her boyfriend did and confided. The guilt was so strong and tense that I didn't want to even pull the covers from my face. I lost much respect, my reputation, my trustworthiness, and honor. She feared for her life. Can you imagine? I was so honored that Meg shared this story with me And gave me permission to share her story with others. The truth is, we do what we want. I think, we think, right, that if we do what we want, it will provide the life we want. But Meg's life demonstrates the devastation and pain that doing what we want can cause. There's many times we do not know the right thing to do, right? We need wisdom, There are other times we just don't want to do the right thing. We need faithfulness. The life we really want, that we really long for, is found in Jesus, the wisdom and faithfulness of God. How we get that life is what we're going to talk about tonight. So let me pray. Father God, we thank you that you are here, that your presence is real, that your word is true. Would you show up tonight? Would you work in our minds and our hearts to see your goodness, to grow our love? Lord God, would the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, tonight we're going to continue our series lifelong. We're speaking on how we can experience lifelong vitality with God and influence with people. And tonight, we're going to start by looking at the life of the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon. If you take your Bible, you hold it up and go about a quarter of the way in, you're going to hit somewhere close to 1 Kings. If you didn't hit 1 Kings directly, move back and forth a little bit, we're going to be in 1 Kings 3. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to get you one. So please let us know, especially as we come up to the summer, Having a Bible to read day in and day out this summer is going to be huge. So make sure you get one. Well, We're going to be First 1 Kings chapter 3. Um, to tell you a little bit about Solomon. Solomon was the third king of Israel. Uh, he became king after his renowned father, David. And under Solomon's rule, the people of Israel experienced prosperity and peace. So 1 Kings 3, starting with verse 3. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said... You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern your great people?" so we see a couple things in this passage one early in solomon's reign that one he loved the lord and walked in his statutes and two he is young probably in his late teens early 20s and feels overwhelmed with the responsibility of being king so he asks for understanding to govern and discern good and evil By the way, if we could get some house lights up a little bit, that would help me out. So that would be wonderful, just so I can kind of engage a little better. But here we see that Solomon recognized his need, and he had the humility to ask for wisdom. Unfortunately, many times, we don't recognize our need. We move forward with our plans and desires without asking the Lord or others for their input. We do what we want. But wisdom comes from many counselors, Proverbs says. Through presumption, nothing but come, excuse me. Through presumption comes nothing but strife. But with those who receive counsel is wisdom. When I asked some of you, for examples, of where you see your friends acting without wisdom, the most frequent response I got was relationships how to interact in a relationship, who to date, how to handle a breakup. You know, there is a gamut of specifics. But what we could learn from, our, from that is we look at our friends' lives, we can see how doing what we want, what feels good, can result in pain for ourselves and for others. Other examples you guys shared were how, how we eat, procrastinating responsibilities like homework, the use of money, making unsafe choices. There's various ways we've seen each other not act in wisdom. And acting without wisdom can have huge conflicts or huge effects, including emotional harm, distrust, foolishness, avoidable sin, unnecessary pain, captivity, disgrace, abandonment, and loss. Loss of resources and time, even freedom and opportunity honor relationships however solomon he recognized his need for wisdom so let's look at god's response again we're back in first kings chapter 3 10 to 14 says it pleased the lord that solomon had asked this and god said to him because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has ever been before, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. God gives Solomon wisdom. More than anyone else in all of history, in the next few chapters of Kings, tell about what this looked like. His business ventures were broad and effective. He was into mining and forestry and shipping and trading. Solomon's wealth is unparalleled in all the earth. Disputes are handled justly. The country has peace. The people are as sands of the seashore, fulfilling the promise God had actually made to Abraham generations before. And they experience safety and provision. The queen of Sheba came and visited and she said, happy are your men and happy are your servants. Such was Israel under the reign of Solomon. And upon building and dedicating the majestic temple of the Lord, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 9. As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house, All that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time. And as he appeared to him at Gibeon, the Lord said to him, I've heard your prayer and your plea which you've made before me. I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing all that I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and rules, that I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. And as I promised your David your father, saying, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you turn aside from me, following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments, my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them. And the house I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will become a proverb and a byword among the peoples. This house will become a heap of ruins. So the Lord, right, he accepts the temple as his own. And he reiterates to Solomon the importance of walking in obedience to his commands. So what happens? Flip over to 1 Kings 11. Again, verse 1. King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh. Mobite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. From the nations concerning which the Lord said to the people of Israel... You shall not enter into marriage with them neither shall you for you will, they neither shall they with you for surely they will turn away your heart after other gods Solomon clung to these in love he had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines and his wives turned away his heart for when Solomon was old his wives turned away his heart after other gods And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as the heart of his father, David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not wholly follow the Lord, as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Shemash, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrificed to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and commanded him concerning this thing. He should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, Since it has been your practice and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. Here we see Solomon does what he knows is wrong. He is unfaithful. Further, we see he didn't repent, but he clung to these wives. He did what he wanted. How about you? What do you run after that you know you shouldn't? What do you cling to despite God's correction? Perhaps it's daily time with movies or TV or video games instead of spending time with God and his word. Maybe it's sexual activity. Maybe it's ice cream. Perhaps you're finding your identity identity or worth in acceptance or accomplishment or accolades. Unfaithfulness usually starts with something small. We think it won't matter. Maybe there's even a good reason, right? But it grows into implications we might not foresee. I got a graphic, and you'll see real quick, I'm not a graphic design major. Um, But maybe it'll get the point across. Meg, she dated a guy without knowing his spiritual reality, right? Maybe a small thing, but then she stayed in that relationship when she learned he didn't know Jesus or want to. She sought affirmation and belonging from him. Her heart became divided and she lied to her roommates and family. She began to interact with him in ways she's now ashamed of. She became desperate for escape but felt trapped in her own pit And eventually she feared for her life. How about Solomon, right? He took foreign wives, right? He clung to those wives in love. It brought about a... Maybe he had a good reason, right? Maybe they were for peace treaties. You know, that was a thing back then. But he clung to them, and it brought about a divided heart and began generations of kings and people worshiping other gods, ultimately resulting in the land being besieged and conquered the temple being utterly destroyed, and the people taken as slaves to foreign lands. Jeremiah actually tells us at one point in the process, the siege in Jerusalem resulted in starvation such that compassionate women boiled their own children and ate them. Unfaithfulness is devastating. Unfaithfulness is devastating. From Solomon's life, though, we see the crucial necessity of both wisdom and faithfulness. The reality is, I'm humbled when I look at Solomon, right? He is the wisest man who ever lived. And his choices brought about the destruction of the earthly kingdom set up for God's honor. If he can't get it right, how can I? Right? How can I, how can you get wisdom and faithfulness? One answer, Jesus Christ. Now, maybe being a crew, you expected that answer, right? But let's look at why I say Jesus Christ and how does it actually help us. God tells us in Colossians 2.3 that in Christ is hidden all wisdom, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In 1 Corinthians 1.24, we learn Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And the context here he's talking about is Christ's crucifixion, being dying on the cross. And then we look in Hebrews 3, and it says that Christ was faithful to the one who, who appointed him. And Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. We flip back to Revelation 19, and the name given to Jesus is faithful and true. And D.A. Carson, when speaking about the faithfulness of Jesus, refers us to Philippians 2, 5-11. Let's take a look at that. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, To the glory of God the Father. Jesus' faithfulness is ultimately demonstrated by becoming human, obeying God to the point of dying on the cross. And Jesus dying on the cross is the wisdom of God and the faithfulness of God. This is where we have to start. And this is how we, we have to dwell. First Corinthians 1:30 declares. Because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. It was the wisdom of God to find an answer to our greatest need, a right relationship with him. The problem is, God is perfectly good, and we're not. God is so perfectly good that he cannot have a favorable relationship with anyone who is not also perfectly good. We are selfish. We break our own rules of right or wrong, right? Let alone God's or anyone else's. We do what we want. And the result is that on our own, we are separated and in a completely adverse relationship with God. When Jesus, though, who was perfectly faithful, perfectly good, died on the cross, he took our sin, our selfishness, and he gave us his righteousness, his faithfulness to God. He became our righteousness and our redemption, as the text says. Jesus experienced our separation for us that we might be adopted. You know, it seems foolishness to most people, that someone else's good can be credited to me. That I can have a relationship I don't deserve. But First Corinthians one twenty one says it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. If you believe Jesus Christ lived perfectly, died on the cross, and was raised from the dead to live forever. And in believing, you turn away from your sin, you will be saved. Jesus will become your personal redemption and righteousness. And you can enjoy the fullness of being God's adopted child. This is where we start. It's also where we dwell. What does our passage say? It's not only the righteousness of God and the redemption of God, but it's the sanctification Christ is also our sanctification. Sanctification is becoming like Jesus in our experience. It's growing up into the full faithfulness of Jesus. And this happens by focusing on Jesus Christ. Repenting of our sin today. Believing Jesus gives me relationship with God today. Trusting his power to live through me today. There are whole books, right, written on how this plays out. And your friends here in crew would love to help you figure out what that looks like. Just ask. But the point here is we don't move past Jesus. To experience the benefits of wisdom and faithfulness in our life, we need to trust in Jesus every day. So what does that look like as you and I move through life? As we go down this road over the next year, five years, 80 years, I mean, I'd have that much left. Um, but, well, I'm challenged by Colossians 2.3. When it says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom, I need to spend more time looking at who Jesus is. I need to read the Bible and think about what does this tell me about Jesus. I need to listen to and read what others have discovered from the Bible about who Jesus is. It's here. It's here that you and I will discover wisdom. Additionally, we need to ask God to give us wisdom. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Thirdly, we need to ask others. God tells us in the Bible that wisdom comes from the input of others who are wise and trustworthy. When you're thinking about dating someone or considering changing your major or what you want to do after college or how you're going to spend your money or where you're going to live or what commitment you're going to make with your time, ask for the input of others. Don't make the decision on your own. Talk through it. Hear their advice. Pray about their input. And as you do these things and God shows you what to do, trust Him. Trust Him to keep you faithful. This is an active thing. Ask him to help you follow through on the things he reveals to you. As you look at your life, Jesus will, as you look at Jesus in his life, he will convict you of sin and other things he wants you to change. Some may be easy. Some may be extremely difficult. Ask Jesus to help you. Philippians 2.3 says, It is God who works in us to will and to act according to his good purpose. We need God to work in us, to be faithful, to do what he reveals. This requires humility. It requires dependence. I encourage you, my friends, take the words of 1 Corinthians 10, 12 to heart. When it says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall. Trust in the Lord and not yourself. When you're tempted, look for the way out God provides. When you sin, repent and believe Jesus has saved you. That he's both saved you from the isolation that that sin produces and he's saved you from the power of that sin to control your actions. Thank Jesus for his deliverance and trust him to make you faithful. My friend Meg, she's doing just this. Here's what she has to say. Then I did the hardest thing I have ever had to do but knew it was exactly what God wanted me to do, and it would save my life, literally. I confessed my sin to my family, told them everything, and left no detail hidden, how I had deceived my family and roommates, what I'd done to him, what he'd done to me. They were disappointed, but stood beside me and gave me the strength to walk away from this relationship once and for all. God did a miracle that day and started healing this heart at more depth than I ever even knew existed. God started healing my heart and showing me my value in Him, no matter the perception of the world. He showed me countless stories of how He protected, valued, affirmed, and shepherded His chosen people throughout the Bible. He gave me the grace for victory one day at a time and reminded me of His never-ending dependence on of my, my never ending dependence on Him. He wrapped me in His arms and poured His truth into my soul and is growing me and challenging me to a deeper level, level with Him. He has been faithful to provide the community of saints to support and encourage me and challenge me as well. Praise only to the grace and forgiveness found in Jesus Christ alone. I gained freedom and a second chance to live for him in obedience and love. The most common prayer in my life these last few years has been asking God to give me wisdom and faithfulness. I've recognized in myself both a lack of knowing the right thing to do and the propensity to not do the right thing. I've been a Christian 38 years now. And I recognize more now, right now, more intensely than ever before, this need that I have for wisdom and faithfulness. My friends, lifelong vitality with God and influence with people requires the crucial character we've been looking at these last few weeks. Do you remember? Love, faith, hope, togetherness, grace... Truth, wisdom, faithfulness. They are found in Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that you are God. Thank you for your word. I thank you that you are the God who works in us to will and act according to your good purpose. Would you grow these character realities in our life? Would you make us men and women of character who live long with you, who live... a experience vitality with you for the rest of our lives for the sake of your glory and our good would you grant us influence in the lives of men and women for the sake of your glory and their good oh god accomplish your purposes build your church build your kingdom and would you be gracious to let us have a part we ask these things in the name of your son jesus amen